Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. T-Mobile has invested billions to light up America's largest 5G network from big cities to small towns, including right here in yours. And great coverage is just the beginning. Right now, families and small businesses can save up to 20% versus AT&T and Verizon when they switch. Visit your local T-Mobile store today. Plan savings with three lines of T-Mobile Essentials versus comparable available plans. Plan features and taxes and fees may vary. Welcome back in on 670 The Score. You're listening to Hit and Run, the Score's baseball show on Sunday mornings. Major League Baseball, really good. Big fan of it. As we have discovered, non-essential to baseball conversation. Let's work with what we have, and what we have is a lot. That said, I want it back, you want it back. And, in, um, you know, I know that sometimes people will accuse me of hope trafficking, which is what Dan Lebetard calls it. I love the phrase. I do enjoy some hope. I do enjoy some some optimism. I just think it's healthier overall. I've talked about that quite a bit. But anyway, I'm not giving up hope on this idea of baseball this year, somehow, some way, even though cynicism is easier to embrace. So when I hear news and nuggets, like I heard this week from somebody who does business with a lot of MLB executives, and they heard from one of them that that the thing that was being discussed, or at least one of the things being discussed, is this idea of a 100-game season starting on July 1st with the All-Star game being eliminated and Dodger Stadium being rewarded with a, quote, neutral site, unquote, warm weather World Series. Um, I thought it was very interesting and shared it, and some folks ran with it a little bit, uh, the best of which was Jay Jaffe over at Fangraphs, Com, a wonderful resource that needs your support at times like these. If you're not a member of Fangraphs, I would highly recommend doing that because it's uh, an incredibly valuable resource for all of us who work um, in the business in any way, shape, or form. But Jay wrote about it. A possible plan for a 100-game season floats by, and Jay Jaffe fleshed it out very interestingly. So we welcome him now on the Alpamani Ford hotline, Alpamani Ford in Melrose Park. Good morning, Jay. How are you? Hey, good morning. Thanks for the plug, the membership plug. We could really use uh, the support of people who, uh, uh, who, who, can, who could find room in their budgets to, uh, uh, to help uh, fund uh, whatever baseball content that it is that we, can, that we can get to the public here through this uh, uh, outage. Yeah, you know, Jay, I, I said at the top of the show, I think baseball um, it is the most recorded, most um, dissected, uh, most documented sport in the history of mankind. Um, and you can just hang, you can hang out on Baseball Reference or on Fangraphs or on Baseball Almanac, whatever your favorite site is, and delve as deep as you could possibly delve. And Fangraphs is, 
is completely essential just as a learning tool for all of us. God, I remember learning what war was for the first time, I think, on Fangraphs, uh, you know, long, long oh, cool. ago. And you can just you can you can learn everything on there. So it's um, it, it, it's remarkable. Um, so first of all, how are you doing without baseball? How's, are you staying sane and, and safe? Not the, not the easiest time right now. Um, certainly uh, uh, lucky to be healthy at the, at the very least and uh, uh, well, living in a well-stocked apartment with uh, my wife and, and, and three-year-old daughter who's uh, uh, obviously Man. been out of school. But uh, uh, we're managing. It's, it's tough without baseball. It's tough. Uh, um, you know, we're, we're, uh, my wife uh, edits uh, the uh, National Baseball Vertical for the Athletic. Um, so, you know, we're both obviously very concerned about the prospect that there won't be any season here uh, and what that might mean for our household income. But uh, uh, right now we're hanging in there and, and, and hoping. Yeah, hoping, uh, hoping is, is the right thing. All right, so as you fleshed this out, this uh, news, news that, I, that, I, that, I, that I shared earlier in the week, does it feel plausible? Let's leave the let's leave the science aside of how they're going to gather humans together, yeah. which I think is which I think is the biggest deal um, entirely. But aside, from, like if science were to allow it, could baseball as an institution um, implement this and and figure it out and and make it happen in a satisfying way for all involved? Well, you know, the, what you've reported here jibes with, with things that I've been hearing elsewhere. Um, you know, the, 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 when, when Major League Baseball hammered out the agreement with the Players Union uh, just over a week ago, they put the, the finishing touches on that, um, you know, they said that everything is on the table, you know, some, some unconventional prospects for, um, you know, for playoff formats, neutral site, uh, season length, things like that. They're, you know, they, they're, they're, they're willing to, uh, both the players and, and the owners are willing to, um, you know, to do something that's obviously not going to have the shape of, uh, you know, the traditional baseball season. And, and the neut- I think that, you know, the key component being that neutral site World Series is certainly something that's, that's been discussed. Now, um, you know, there, was, there were hopes, I think, that, uh, uh, that uh, after the eight weeks of lockdown, uh, suggested by the CDC um, back in, uh, in in early March that that May 10th date that everybody had circled on the calendar would allow for a three-week spring training and, and baseball games starting in early June, uh, which would allow for something on the order of a hundred-game season. Um, you know the the uh, the reports right now in terms of. Uh, uh, the surge of the and the spread of the virus are are are, are less encouraging. And June is you know that May 10th date that uh, with a June start probably isn't realistic anymore. Um, mm. But you know what we've heard uh, another aspect of what we've heard from the league and the and, and the union is that you know if if they could run you know they, if they do this neutral site thing and get it to a warm weather climate they can run uh, playoffs deeper into October and November than they had before. And so, you know, if you start the season on July 1st, you could still probably get in 100 games. And, and uh, um, you know, and that would be, uh, I think, uh, you know, a victory uh, in, the, in the face of uh, uh, some difficult odds. But obviously there are a lot of, you know, there are a lot of things that, that are out of uh, baseball's hands uh, when it comes to determining whether it's safe to play. Yeah, it's, it, there's, you know, I... I uh, th- this idea of you don't want gatherings of more than 50 people, uh, you know, a fanless game would still be more than 50 people. It'd be a lot more than 50 people. Yeah. So just, just imagine imagining those logistics. It's 
it's such a complicated sport with so many moving parts. It's not like you could have an NBA game where you throw two rosters and, and, and two refs on a cruise ship and have them play a game or play a series, which they're talking about. Even that is crazy. But Yeah, well, but, you know, I think baseball, I mean, I think basketball is a bit more implausible when you consider just like, I mean, the exchanges of, of fluids. And fluids. The, the yeah. close breathing, the, you know, the close breathing as two guys are, you know, colliding and guarding each other and things like that. You know, baseball... I think has a has a, uh, has a bit of virtue in that. And the, you know the 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 uh, if you put masks on everybody, for example, um, you know you would be you wouldn't be. Uh, I think too you know it, too often we, would you would not be at at, at high risk uh, for transmission the way you would in basketball. You know we've got guys uh, uh, you know going face to face and things like that and all over each other, um, mm-hmm. but. It's, uh, you know, it's still, I think, like you said, the, the, the 50 person limit is a, is a big deal, um, it, you know, and, and that would have to be overcome, I think, before there's any hope of this. Um, what's interesting is my, on, on Friday night, my wife edited uh, a piece from Ken Rosenthal about a different scenario that would involve teams playing to empty spring training stadiums in Arizona, um, you know, at a, hopefully at a, at a sooner date or at a similar date. And, they, you know, they, that presents its own logistical uh, questions as to how you're going to get, um, you know, let's say 750 to 1,000 players uh, quarantined in the, in the greater Phoenix area, um, you know, and, and, and all the support staff that that would need uh, and whether that is an acceptable use of public resources and things like that. Um, mm-hmm. But it just shows, you know, that, that Major League Baseball is is thinking, you know, trying to think creatively about this and, and figure out if there's any way to get a season in. Obviously, the idea of not having fans in ballparks is not anybody's first choice, but, um, you know, it does provide some entertainment and diversion and, and uh, um, you know, as, as, you, as, as I think we both agree, hope, um, you know, that, mm-hmm. that we will be able to see the light at the end of this tunnel. Um so, you know, I think that these are no, noble efforts to try to brainstorm things. And uh, uh, I know there's a lot of cynicism out there. And, you know, as I said uh, via Twitter the other day, you don't get any Internet points for saying in, in April that something's not going to happen in July or October. We all know that the situation is not great. Um, but, uh, you know, we can still hope that uh, um, this levels off and we can get the games in. Yeah. You know, I, I had a night the other night, Jay, as I'm sure a lot of listeners and Maybe you, every once in a while you wake up during this process, it's three in the morning, it's like, oh, yep, I'm not going to be sleeping anymore. Okay, I'm done, everybody, let's see. Just worried about stuff and the anxiety hits. And then I read a bunch of news articles, and they didn't help. Um, The news articles didn't help, and one of the sports articles that didn't help was Kenny's piece that you mentioned that your wife edited. It was just the idea that, okay, we've got people at this neutral site, and everybody's safe, and then one person goes home and gets Mm -hmm. the virus from somebody at their house who was somewhere, and then they come back to the hotel, and now all of a sudden somebody has it and you have to shut down the entire thing which which uh, the the chinese basketball association just did right Mm -hmm. as we look around has the korean league um as the korean league there was a moment there where they were the shining beacon of hope that look hey we could do this if we play our cards right where does that stand now with the um you know i think they're still doing they're still doing those those spring practices uh last i saw i i caught one in 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 midweek 
I can't remember which night, but uh, um, you know they're they're hoping at Japan. I think there was a little bit more concern about them starting their season. Um, but uh, yeah, I'm looking at my, my there's a, a FanGraphs alum named Sun, Sung Ming Kim. Uh, not mm-hmm. to be confused with the Washington Post reporter of, of similar name, uh, who uh, now works uh, for the Giants of the KBO, and uh, he's tweeting uh, every every other day. Basically, every other day they're doing uh, live scrimmages, which uh, basically coincide with about a 10:30 or 11 o'clock Eastern uh, time slot. And it's uh, you know you'll see you'll see both. Uh, I think uh, uh, you know the team itself. It's an intro. It amounts to an intra-squad game, but it's kind of reassuring to see baseball going on. And I think there are other uh, uh, KBO teams that are that are similarly uh, streaming their games via YouTube. And I think there's still hope there that uh, uh, that they can get uh, uh, baseball going soon. And if that's the case, well, we're all going to try to become uh, KBO experts as quickly as possible. Uh, <laughs> Long time KBO something guy, to, something to focus yeah. on. Yeah, yeah, longtime KBO fan right here. I go back at least two weeks with the KBO. Yeah. Um, although, it, it, is that is that where Eric Thames played and found his power yes. stroke or whatever yes. he found? Yes, it is. Oh. I mean, you know, there are there are a few guys. We've seen a few guys come over from the KBO and have uh, have some success and uh, or at the very least scratch the surface. And not all of them are successful. It's a um, but it is you know w- one thing about that league is that's interesting is they're pretty analytic savvy. Um, I may perhaps even more so than than, than Japan and and uh, um, you know they've got the, they've they've uh, uh, you can find stat sites where you know you can look at the familiar columns of of, of numbers and figure out um, you know what they're what they're talking about there. I did a I did a thing on uh, there's a. Um, there was a lefty knuckleballer named Ryan Firebend who you don't see lefty knuckleballers very often. Uh, no, you don't. No, you don't. Um, journeyman uh, who briefly had uh, a couple flings in the major leagues with, I think, the Rangers and the Mariners, um, went over the KBO a few years ago, started fooling with a knuckleball. Um, for a couple years was, was a really solid pitcher, middling success, but uh, uh, on the strength of the analytics, he got brought over and signed by the Blue Jays. Uh, made a couple starts last year, got pounded, but I, I wrote about just you know the rarity of lefty knuckleballers and and uh, um, you know and 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 uh, uh, his backstory, which uh, Sung Min had uh, uh, had documented and uh, uh, you know brought it to our audience and kind of followed along. And you know there was all kinds of information about his pitch mix and how it had evolved and things like that. And it was just you know kind of an example of of the level of detail we can get. Uh, uh, from that and and you know I think uh, we might have to uh, uh, pass some time by trying to look at look into some things and maybe uh, uh, educate if if the season starts up you know educate some baseball hungry fans uh, as to what's going on there um, mm-hmm. you know just for the sake of having uh, uh, the game uh, as something to to keep an eye on. So what was the conclusion as to why there have been so few lefty knuckleballers? Is there anything about the the mechanics of the delivery or it, is the bar lower like if you're a mediocre righty the knuckleball might seem like a wise choice but maybe mediocre lefties are are better than mediocre righties you know i think i think what it is is that um you know the lefties i think the the general progression for lefties uh has been and and you know this could change with the new, with the new uh three batter minimum rule change is that 
you know, when a, when a left when a left-handed pitcher gets to the end of his rope, he's as a situa- he's a situational reliever um, rather than a rather than an innings-eating uh, starter or a or a long relief mop-up man. Um, I imagine it, you know there's probably something to the platoon differential of, of uh, uh, when it comes to knuckleballers, um, but it just I think that most lefties when they get to that point of you know uh, to use Jim Bowden's wonderful phrase uh, you know hanging on by their fingertips literally um, hmm. they're doing it they're doing it a little bit differently they're they're going the the, the one batter uh, situational reliever route rather than the. Uh, uh, the guy who is uh, tossing the butterfly pitch that uh, uh, hope you know is hopefully befuddling batters. What has brought you joy from baseball's past over these past couple of weeks, Jay? For me, I happened upon this week in baseball yesterday on Fox Sports One, and it just I watched a recap of the 1979 All Star Game. That oh, really, nice. uh, really, oh man, it was it was it was freaking wonderful. In this town, there have been many articles and rebroadcasts of the 2016 Cubs, of the 2005 uh-huh. White Sox. Um, just spoke to Scott Pensednik last hour, who said he sat and watched his own walk-off of 2005 World Series Game 2, texting with teammates and having a stiff drink oh, the nice. other night. Isn't that cool? It's like, it's all of us. It's all of us. You just kind of yeah. go back. What, what, what have you found yourself, what have you found some baseball joy from? Well, you know, um, on, uh, on what would have been opening day on March 26th, I watched uh, uh, rookie Derek Jeter hit his opening day home run in 96, the year that uh, he won Rookie of the Year and the Yankees won their first World Series since uh, uh, 1978. Wow. And later that day they had the uh, uh, Clayton Kershaw's, I think it was 2013, uh, complete game shutout in, in which he hit uh, uh, a solo home run, his only major league home run in the in the. Uh, 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 bottom of the eighth inning. That was really cool. Um, I've been uh, delving into Hall of Fame stuff and, and uh, will continue to. I'm lucky enough to have uh, uh, a specialty that is uh, <coughs> somewhat evergreen, um, you know, in that yeah. uh, uh, if I write about a Hall, a hall of Fame uh, issue in in, uh, in April or June or July, um, I'm people will read it. Um, so I'm going to be doing a lot of Hall of Fame stuff. Um, already have and, and will continue mm. to. Um, yeah, you know, I, I guess the one thing for me that's hard, there's so much great, so many great baseball books out there, um, both, you know, new ones and, and, and past ones. I wish I could be revisiting those, uh, or, 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 or writing, a, you know, reading them and writing them, but, uh, um, you know, having a full-time job, uh, on top of my full-time job, which is basically, uh, t- you know, helping to, uh, take care of a three-year-old who's stuck at home and, uh, uh, you know, has a limited ability to do things for herself is is, is preventing me from any kind of uh, leisure reading. So um, that's yeah. that avenue of joy I wish I could explore, and maybe it'll get easier as time goes on. But uh, that one's not open to me. But there's a lot of baseball uh, out there, uh, baseball history to celebrate, and and uh, mm-hmm. uh, baseball thinking to delve into. And uh, um, you know, hopefully that can help get us through. Hey, uh, Jay, last thing. Um, so talk, talk to eight-year-old Matt Spiegel here and tell me if Jim Rice deserves to be a Hall of Famer more than Dwight Evans. Based uh, on I would say no. I would say, oh. I, would say, I would say Dwight Evans is the guy. Um, under, you know, tremendously underrated uh, in terms of uh, the defense he provided in right field and then uh, the offense that he developed later in his, in his career. Um, you know, he, Evans was on the uh, uh, the, the um, era committee ballot for the first time in December and, and uh, fared reasonably well and didn't get elected. But I think uh, showed that there's a constituency there that I think is 
is uh, intrigued by the combination of, of skills that he offered. Uh, one thing that was interesting to me about Evans was learning that uh, uh, he, had, uh, he had two kids who suffered from um, the syndrome that uh, uh, the same syndrome that the Elephant Man had. Unfortunately, both of those kids passed away. Uh, in their early forties in the in the last year or so, but you know that uh, he was in the hot you know he was going to hospitals every day uh, and that you know some of the some of the times that he had seasons that were maybe less than his full capability i think were had a lot on his mind and when you put that context into it, I think you sort of understand that this was a guy who was fighting his own battles internally even as he was trying to excel on the field and and there's something very compelling about that story to me. Wow, I never realized that. Interesting. All right, Jay, thank you so much. Best to you and your wife and your child. Stay safe, stay sane, and uh, enjoy what you can of baseball. All right, thanks, Matt. Good talking to you, and take care to you and your listeners. Thank you so much. It's Jay Jaffe from Fangraphs. Um, Yeah, that was was the debate for a while there. Rice or Evans or Lynn. It's a pretty darn good outfield. Um, 670, the score is where you are. It's hit and run. Coming up at the top of the hour... We've been doing these Bears Sundays on, on the score, and they continue now with the second one. It's, it's the game that Jeff Joniak, the Bears play-by-play man and a terrific guy, says he gets asked about the most. And it is the Monday Nighter in Arizona against the Cardinals, 2006. They are who we thought they the were. The Bears are who we thought they were. That's coming up at noon. And before the game begins, I think uh, it is uh, – I, I know we have the article here, but is, is Jeff going to be on the air sharing some of his memories before the game begins, Adam? Yes, Zizinski? he will be. That's very cool. That's very cool. So Jeff will be on at noon and says there's no game that he has ever broadcast that he gets asked about more. The Bears down 20 to nothing at the half. And even though the Cardinals only had one win at the time, they had to come back from 20 to nothing – and, you know, it's, it's a hell of a team. It's a, it's a 5-0 and team with Super Bowl-caliber defense, those Bears. And uh, Dennis Green thought they had them right where they wanted them. They let them off the hook. The Bears so, are who we thought they were. And we let so them off the hook. The, let them off the hook, man, the best. One, one of the first viral coaching sensational videos, really. You know, I wonder where that stands in terms of the history of, of, of viral videos. It's got to be up there. 670, the score is where you are. So that's coming up at noon. Um, And then later on today, there's a Cubs game. It's the Cubs and the Dodgers from the National League Championship Series of 2016. It is game one, and that is coming up uh, at 5 p.m. here on the score. Then the Grobber at midnight, and world goes round, wheel goes round on the broadcast day, starting with Mully and Haw in the morning. All right, my guy Chris Kampka will join us before the hour is out here on 670 The Score. And we need to talk about an unholy alliance. It just should not be taking place, but it is down in Tampa. We'll discuss next on The Score. Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are so let instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date 
Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. We really need new phones. T-Mobile will cover the cost of four amazing new iPhone 15s. And each line is only $25 a month. New iPhone 15s? It's better over here. Only at T-Mobile get four iPhone 15s on us and four lines for $25 per line per month with eligible trade-in when you switch. Minimum of four lines for $25 per line per month with auto-pay discount using debit or bank account. $5 more per line without auto-pay, plus taxes and fees. Phone fee at 24 monthly bill credits for all well qualified customers. Contact us before canceling accounts to continue bill credits or credit stop and balance on required finance agreement due. $35 per line connection charge applies. Ctmobile.com. You're listening to Hit and Run on 670 The Score. I'm your host, Matt Spiegel. Been a fun show. Talking to Scott Pitsednik, talking to my nephew, Jack McMullen, in hour number one. He was supposed to start his broadcasting career. Um, and I shouldn't say start because the man has been a broadcaster for um, the single-A Auburn last year in upstate New York in the New York Penn League. Had fun talking about that league with Jim Deshays one, uh, one afternoon at Wrigley Field before a game began. J.D. had played in Auburn, had played in a lot of those different ballparks when his teammate in the New York Penn League was John Elway. John Elway, drafted, of course, by the Colts, didn't want to play quarterback there, ended up engineering a trade that ended up with him in Denver. Part of engineering that, that Elway did, was using his baseball possibilities with the New York Yankees, who had wanted him. I think they drafted him very low in the draft or had signed him as a free agent. I'm pretty sure they drafted him. But so Elway was playing the New York Penn League and Deshays uh, said that at least twice Elway provided a keg for a post-game party for the team. It's like Elway used his signing bonus. Like, let me take care of you guys. I think even more than twice. I think he did it often. Took care of those guys. As you should. If you're the guy in single A who got a real signing bonus and you've been a college All-America and you're the number one pick overall in the NFL draft and an agent has already paid you a bunch, probably, uh, yeah, take care of your single A teammates. But anyway, my nephew was on in the first hour of the show. He's supposed to start his job with the single A Fort Wayne tin caps, and that is on hold like everything else in our baseball universe. Um, I saw that... Derek Jeter rented his house out to Tom Brady, and this is just wrong. This is an unholy alliance that should not be taking place. I I don't like it. At a Boston sports legend shacking up in the home of a New York sports legend is not correct. This is, first of all, did you see that picture of that house? How big a family does one have to have to ad- adequately fill that house? The house next door to it, if you haven't seen the picture, find it. Google Brady Jeter house. The house next door has a pool and a private tennis court and looks like it might as well just be a shed for the Jeter Brady lawnmower. It looks tiny by comparison. Um, and apparently, I think it's, I think it's a member of the, the Tampa Bay Bucks who lives next door. But anyway, so Jeter running to Brady. It's like Ted Williams living in Joe DiMaggio's vacation home or Larry Bird sleeping on Patrick Ewing's couch. This is not right. This is dogs and cats living together. It is anarchy. And what, what would the cop possibly, possibly be? If Christian Yelich um, decided to rent a vacation home from Brian Erlacher, we're crossing sports, right, like Jeter and Brady, but having hated rivals pal around with each other, 
Is anything sacred anymore? I don't think so. Aaron Rodgers renting from Anthony Rizzo, perhaps, would be a closer comp. It just, it shouldn't, it's just shouldn't be taking place, but it is taking place. It's just, just freaking wrong. Um, Jay Jaffe mentioned Jeter. And I was thinking about Jeter's career because Jeter is one of those guys, um, rookie of the year right away. Rookie of the year right away. And then MVP eventually. Not not right away. Not right away in year two. I mistakenly remembered that, or I misremembered, I guess would be the way to say it, right? That Jeter was MVP in year number two. He was He was not. He, was, he finished 24th in MVP voting in year number two. Then he finished third, sixth, tenth, tenth. Later on, 21st. Never won an MVP, did Derek Jeter. Never won one. But the guy who did win one uh, the year after being rookie of the year was Cal Ripken. Because that's what I was thinking about. Guys who went. So the category is rookie of the year and then MVP to follow. Only two guys have been Rookie of the Year and MVP at the same time, the same year, Ichiro Suzuki and the aforementioned Fred Lynn of the 1975 Red Sox. But what MLB guys have gone from Rookie of the Year to MVP in back-to-back seasons? There are one, two, three, four ever. Cal Ripken is one. You know the others? Adam Studzinski at all? Rookie of the Year and then MVP the very following season. Ryan Howard of the Phillies is one, so that's two. I give you Cal Ripken, Ryan Howard, Dustin Pedroia of the Red Sox was a rookie of the year, and then the very next season was an MVP. And there's one more, and you guys should have this out there. I think you should have it. Was it it, uh, Chris Bryant? Yes, it was. Chris Bryant is the fourth and last guy. Rookie of the year and year number one and then MVP in year number two. So it's Bryant, Howard, Pedroia, and Cal Ripken. Pretty good. Texture says, Speaks love the show, but doesn't one need to be rookie of the year right away? It's very hard to win rookie of the year, say, in your third or fourth season. Whatever, smart guy. Then how come the Grammys uh, have given all those different people best new artist when they're like eight to ten years into their career, huh? I've always wondered how they determine that. Like, how do you determine <laughs> if you're a new artist? It's trash. Is Absolute that like trash. Is, is that like in the first year of your first major record release or something like that? I don't, no, no, wondered. no. It's it's garbage. It, it's it's absolute garbage. Who was I reading about the other day? It was in like year eight. Um, oh, Fountains of Wayne, because of the late Adam Schlesinger. Um, God, brilliant, brilliant songwriter, Adam Schlesinger of Fountains of Wayne. And he also wrote That Thing You Do, the song, and several of the songs from that that very fun movie that Tom Hanks did. Adam Schlesinger passed away from coronavirus at the age of 52. But yeah, Fountains of Wayne won, I think, in year eight or nine or ten of their, of their run as a rock band. Um, almost all rookies of the year get it right away. Thank you. Thank you very much. I appreciate that. Bryant's um, trajectory is even more absurd. Bryant had four consecutive seasons where he was Golden Spikes winner as College Player of the Year, the Minor League Player of the Year, then Rookie of the Year, and then MVP four years in a row. Outrageous. Ridiculous. And remember that Bryant's dad, Mike, was a failed MLB prospect, meaning that he never made the bigs. So he became this intense father slash coach 
wanting and driving Chris to be as good as he could and teaching him Ted Williams' swing that Mike Bryant learned as a prospect in the Red Sox system. And KB not only made the majors, but did that. And that's why this spring, when Chris Bryant told Bernsey and Connor McKnight about wanting his child not to play baseball because it was asking too much of him, it made complete sense to me. Because think about it generationally, right? Your dad drives you like crazy, and your only goal is to make the bigs. Not only do you make the bigs, but you do what Bryant did. And now your kid is going to want to be a player? How do you top that? You don't. Why would you want to try? Takes a very, very unique mindset to want to follow that. It's like Barry Bonds wanting to follow Bobby. Bobby was great and Bonds was better. You know? Ken Griffey was good. Decent. Pretty good. Nowhere near what Ken Griffey Jr. was. But, you know, not being as good as your old man and having to battle that forever? Woof. Uh, that reminds me of a couple things. Number one is that Joe Buck has a new podcast called Daddy Issues. You've heard Joe Buck on with me several times. He's a good guy. And he just started Daddy Issues, him and Oliver Hudson, which is Kate Hudson's brother, Goldie Hawn's son. So they share some Daddy Issues. That podcast is gettable. I know Bill Simmons was on the first one. I haven't listened to that one yet. Um, and the other thing is I mentioned Connor McKnight's name and want to wish some guys... And a woman, a couple women that I've worked with here for a while, well, Maggie Hendricks and Julie DeCaro, let go this week, enjoyed them together, appreciated them. Rick Camp was a producer for me and for several different shows and is a terrific guy. Always took a joke like a champ and gave it right back. Super knowledgeable on the NBA. Fun musically, tuba player. Loved funk, loves funk like I do. You don't talk about these people like they're dead because they're not. But just a really, really good guy. David Schuster has been a terrific teammate for a long, long time. Many decades as a terrific teammate, David Schuster. And Connor McKnight is an absolute class act. A very good man. Talented broadcaster and a very, very good guy. And I wish all of them the best as well as anybody else who um, had their time end here and at some of the other stations. It's a, it's a crazy rough time. And I am very fortunate to be here talking baseball to you, even if there's no baseball. And I hope to be here as long as, uh, as they will let me, which is a long time, I hope. Said that in a convoluted way, but you know what I mean. I'm very thankful to be here and I, I don't take it lightly. It's very special to get to talk to you guys. And, um, Let's, uh, let's roll forward, but wishing all of them the very, very, very best and a tough week for everybody here at 670 The Score. It gives you no joy whatsoever to still exist at a station when somebody else is gone. Joy is not what you feel. Relief, gratitude is what you feel and good wishes for them. All right, we'll come back and wrap up Hit and Run with my friend Chris Kampka. Cam Connections coming up next before Jeff Joniak and Bears Sundays at the top of the hour right here on 670 to score. Get 
yourself Cam Connected as I do every damn week, and why would you not? Chris Kamka joins us now on the Alphamonte Ford Hotline, Alphamonte Ford in Melrose Park. What's up, Chris Kamka? How are you? What's going on, Matt? Uh, happy uh, 10th anniversary to the Burley play. Yes. You know what? Let's roll that. We have it from, uh, at the time, it was Comcast Sportsnet. Um, this is 10 years ago today when the ball went off Burley's uh, leg, right? And then he had to go and chase it down awkwardly in foul territory. And it sounded a little something like this. It's deflected over. Look at the play by Burley. Mercy! Wow! From the Gold Glove winner. Look at this. That one's going to be on highlight reels all year long. Take a look at this one again. And they're going to give Burley a chance to see if he's entirely healthy. He flips it between his legs to a barehanded catch. Hermes coming out to take a look at Burley because that one hit him square. What an effort by Mark Burley. Yeah, that was awesome, Chris. You tweeted it out and I shared it um, earlier today. I knew that was the play of the year and it was April 5th. But you knew. I was in the stands in the upper deck. And I saw the play, and I was floored. And then I watched the replay later. I'm like, wait a minute. Canerco caught that barehanded? It's even better now. It's incredible. It's yeah. just, it's just the, the magic of a player like Mark Burley. I mean, not only did he pitch a couple no-hits, right? He hit a home run. You saw that. But consider the fact that by the time he turned, let's say, he was drafted in the 38th round. By the time he mm-hmm. reached age 38, he was already retired. That's how long in the draft he lasted. That's how long deep in the draft and he made good. Think of it this way. If if you were to take all the players lined up, line up all the players drafted in the 1998 MLB draft in order of the way they're drafted, using mm. proper techniques of social distancing six feet apart, <laughs> Mark Burley would be over a mile and a quarterback. <laughs> Wow, you really, you, you, my friend, have even more time on your hands than you usually do. That is. Yeah, I, I, and that illustrated it, didn't it? The 1139th overall pick. Yeah, I, got, I got time. <laughs> you multiply it by feet, and then you got to do the feet into the mile. And was that 5,200 feet in the mile? Is that right? Yeah, 5,280. And you, we're not even taking into consideration, you know, people aren't just a line right there you know everyone's about you know eight ten foot inch thick so you need to factor that in it's even longer i mean we're talking a mile and a quarter if you line them up yeah yeah that's true that's that's some that's terrible equation making yet you need to take thickness of humans into account give i mean oh yeah 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 if if you're averaging people like me i'm you know i'm probably (laughs) in the higher end of that yeah. <laughs> well, how do we average that out? I mean, we, we like, what's the average thickness of a person who was in that draft? And are we well, talking now or when they were in the draft? Because they were more fit we, then. We got time. Let's send out some emails. <laughs> <laughs> Let's correspond with everybody in that draft. See, that's awesome. Burley is great reference. I should be referencing him when we're talking about the draft not only not being 40 rounds, not being 20 rounds, not being 10 rounds this year. Five rounds of a draft. How do you find Mark Burley in round 38? You don't at that point. Yeah, that's a great uh-huh. point. 
Yeah, uh, great point. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Not as good as a mile and a half as you line them all up. Is he the most successful? I mean, where is he uh, in terms of war? I could look that up for that draft. You said the 1998 draft? Yeah, 1998. I mean, he's very comparable to a guy picked 20th overall, CC Sabathia. Think about that. Wow. Um, there, there's really hardly any examples of guys that were picked that late and are that successful. Um, mm. I mean, guys that come to mind would be like John Smoltz, but even Smoltz, Smoltz, let's see where he's picked, 22nd round. So we're talking 16 beyond that. It's just, wow. it's just unbelievable. In, in, Burley, in Burley's draft, um, I'll, I'll stop me when I get to a guy who's better than Mark Burley. Okay, um, yep. Sabathia would probably be the answer. Um, Mulder, J.D. Drew, Felipe Lopez, Carlos Pena, Brad Lidge, um, Matt Thornton, Aaron Rowan. These are the all-stars from, uh, from the first round. Mark Pryor, uh, Adam Dunn. Adam Dunn have a better career than Mark Burley? I don't no. think so. No, but... Barry Z... Uh, up a, there. credit. Yeah, Barry Zito? No, no, no none of the above. Matt Matt Holiday, it's a pretty good career for Matt Holiday. Um, there we go. Mar- no Burley. Mark Teixeira was in that draft. It's a pretty pretty damn good career. But I mean, he's he's right there. Cliff Lee, a twentieth round pick in that draft, and there's Mark Burley in round uh, in round thirty eight. Oh, Todd Coffey in that draft. I used to love me some Todd Coffey. See now, you know. there we go with with the uh, people, you know, thickness of people. Todd Coffee would probably be <laughs> at the upper echelon of that. Yes, yes. Well, you know, I, I give him credit though because he amplified his thickness with the way that he ran in from the bullpen. That's that's it. what I'll always remember Todd Coffee for. Just you know, tight tight shirt, tight pants, and tight stride as he yeah. as he ran. And yes. And a key member in Jeff Passon's book, The Arm. Um, so. Yeah, that, that's Mark Burley. We had uh, we had pods on earlier, and I got a couple nuggets on pods, just how amazing that game was. That, that game two, all right? Yeah. Um, Canerco hit the Grand Slam, and then pods walked it off. There have been only 20 Grand Slams in World Series history, only 16 walk-off home runs in World Series history. And only once has a team had one of each in the game, and that was it. Wow, that's the only game where you had a Grand Slam and a walk-off. By the same team, because uh, there was a Amazing. game in the 88, yeah, at 88 World Series game one, you know, Canseco Ken hit Seiko. the grand slam and, and Gibson walked it off. Different teams, but the 05 Sox, the only team, you know, one team to do both in the same game. So Wow, that, you know, that, that, that's pods. awesome. Did, did, you, did you hear Scott talk about how he and teammates were texting as they watched that game on TV the other night? Just like any of us. That's, you know? that's just an amazing visual. Think about it, you know, just kicking back. Oh, here, yeah. you know, here's here's Rowan. Let's see what he has to say. You know. Yeah. Oh, well, you know, you, uh, yeah. Yeah, yeah. All right. So, so there's that, that. That's awesome. So the only game in World Series history where a team had a grand slam and a walk off in the same game, and they both happened late. Yeah, they both happened yeah. late. Um, uh, that, that Canerco homer doesn't get enough credit. Be honest with you, that Canerco home run. I mean, it was so. It was. It was another one of those controversial White Sox plays. You know, uh, was it died? Did die get hit or not? You know, and people oh, he hit the bat, but no, he got on base. And then Canerco, sure enough, uh, home run. Mm. Grand slam in the World Series. My goodness. 
Yeah, uh, outrageous. All right, so you heard, we're talking to Chris Kampka here on Hit and Run, and you heard uh, me reference something I guess you had never heard uh, in the first segment of the show. I was talking about baseball reference, and I referenced the game that Barry Rosner and I used to play, Six Degrees of Kevin Tappany. Not Six Degrees of Kevin Bacon. Uh, Six Degrees of Kevin Bacon, for those, I I mean, I, I assume most people know what it is, but... It's you, supposedly you can get to Kevin Bacon from any living actor um, or actress. Just it, it takes fewer than six moves to find a movie that Kevin Bacon was in with somebody like Ryan Reynolds was in this movie with this person. And that person was in this movie with that person. App, and Kevin Bacon was in that because he was in everything. So it, it's, yeah. it's just that easy. Yeah, you, you can do that with baseball. Give me give me two players. And we'll, let's do one. I'll, I'll, do, okay. I'll do it for you. All right, so just just two player, any two yeah. players, in the yeah, history of the game. Players. Yeah, yeah, okay. you, you spread them out. Let's go. Uh, all right, cool. Um, well, let's see. You mentioned Scott Pitsednik came up on this show. All right. Um, and and Dwight Evans, Jay Jaffe was arguing for Hall of Famer Dwight Evans on this show. So let's, yeah, let's you, put those guys together. Yeah, you can. Let's see. You can connect him with one move. That's it. One, one. Um, so that—that's all it takes is one move. So I should go older. But so somebody played with Evans, who played with Pitsednik, and who is yeah. it? Arthur Rhodes, the reliever. <laughs> this is amazing. You, you could do this stuff. I mean, this is what we're left to do here. I mean, yes, one thing yes. I love about baseball is the fact that we we can track anything. We look up anything. I was just thinking about yeah. it the other day. Like we keep track of how many times managers get kicked out of games. I mean, think about that in the grand scheme of things, how trivial that is. But we keep track of that, and we love it. Yeah, we have, we have absolutely everything. All right, let me, give you a, let me give you two players. I learned today that in the original Angels in the Outfield, Ty Cobb mm-hmm. makes a cameo. Ty Cobb appears in the original movie Angels in the Outfield. I want to thank uh, Ted Phillips on Twitter uh, for pointing that out. So let's start with Ty Cobb. And let's go to the aforementioned Paul Konerko. How many moves to get from Ty Cobb to Paul Konerko? All right. Can Ty we do Cobb it in six? Paul Konerko. Oh, easy. Mm-hmm. yeah, we can do it. Well, here's the thing. We, we could do it in four. But here's the thing. Mini Minoso is one of them. And ah, you know, he's, kind of, yeah. he's kind of a cheat code to the game. But, you know. <laughs> All right, let's, let's take him out. Let's take out, let's take out Mini. Um, Although I, I never want to take out many. I want to put them in. Uh, still five. No, so, still five. So, okay. All right. So Paul Konerko played with Eddie Murray in 97 Dodgers, tail end of Murray's career. Murray wow. played with Brooks Robinson early oh. on with the Orioles. Love it. All right. Brooks Robinson played with Eddie Mixus for the 58 Orioles. Mixus played with Ray Hayworth for the 44 Dodgers. And Ray Hayworth played with Ty Cobb and the 26 Tigers. There you go. That's tremendous. That's tremendous. So that was five moves. So you can yeah, get that's... from any anybody to anybody else. That's true. Well, yeah, see, we need to flesh this out because I've, I've done that, what you're talking about. Um, but I've always needed to flesh this out. I think we've reached the time where, where you do because there's a million things you can click on on a baseball reference page. Like if I went to Ed Farmer's baseball reference page right now, right? I see mm-hmm. that he was he was an all-star one season. He was an all-star with the White Sox, and that was yeah, 1980. The first, the first 30 save season in Sox history, by the way. 
1980. So I click on that little all-star icon. All of a sudden, I'm looking at the all-star lineups from 1980. So I would understandably, because I'm me, click on J.R. Richard, who was there um, and, and part of that. Then I see J.R. Richard finished seventh in Cy Young voting in 1976. I click on that, and all of a sudden, I'm looking at the career possibilities for Steve Carlton. Now I've clicked on Steve Carlton. So you see where I am? So this is the, the slight difference in the game. You're connecting people. I'm just letting my fingers do the walking, because now I'm here with Steve Carlton, and I'm looking at his appearance on certain leaderboards. He was fifth in MVP in 1972. That's the year he went 27-10 and 10 for an absolutely horrible um, uh, Phillies team, right? So he's fifth in MVP in 1972. Billy Williams won the MVP that year. So now I'm on Billy Williams. And I can, you know, so like it, it's, it's endless. And you can just see where you end up as you start with Kevin Tappany or anybody well, else. I love that stuff. And, yeah. you know, with, with all these classic games on TV, it's right there for you. So you have a guy, oh, yeah, there's a guy on my TV screen. And, you yep. know, I think of something interesting with that. Like, for example, Antonio Fonseca was on TV because he was in the 97, 97 Marlins. And I'm like, hey, I, my favorite Antonio Fonseca nugget is this. Think about this. And, and Al Fonseca, of course, six fingers. He had almost exactly double the ERA of Mordecai three-finger Brown. So, <laughs> so 4.11 for Al Fonseca and 2.06 for Brown is almost two-to-one ratio. It's perfect. And if you carry out the decibels a little further, it gets even closer. So. Well, that makes all the sense in the world. All right, Chris, I got to roll. We'll per- it's perfect. We'll leave it right there. Thank you, man. All right, Matt. Thanks. You're the best. Chris Kampka is uh, my favorite guy to spend baseball nonsense time with. And uh, we've got it. Coming up next on The Score, Bears Sundays. They are who we thought they were. Bears Cardinals with Jeff Joniak giving you some of his memories before the game even begins. That's really cool. That's coming up next on The Score. Thank you to Adam Studzinski and Sean Anderson for doing a great job producing the show. Stay safe and stay sane, everybody. I want to thank Scott Podsednik, Chris Kampka, Jack McMullen, and Jay Jaffe for an action-packed show. I'll be with you next Saturday for Inside the Clubhouse, next Sunday for Hit and Run, and find me on Twitter at MattSpiegel670. See you, everybody. Be well. Okay, uh, next. T-Mobile has invested billions to light up America's largest 5G network from big cities to small towns, including right here in yours. And great coverage is just the beginning. Right now, families and small businesses can save up to 20% versus AT&T and Verizon when they switch. Visit your local T-Mobile store today. Plan savings with three lines of T-Mobile Essentials versus comparable available plans. Plan features and taxes and fees may vary.